Amen. <laughs> I'm glad this is the last Sunday we are going to be doing, well, at least this, this aspect of it. And I'm grateful that you are going to be able to join us in person, hopefully, uh, hopefully next week. But, it, but I just, again, want to just say thank you to everybody who's been faithful and joining us online um, over all these weeks. You guys really have been uh, great. And, and let me tell you, everybody who's been making these broadcasts happen, I'm just so thankful for every single one of them. And, uh, and again, I'm just so thankful to have you joining us online today. If you haven't already, make sure that you share this video, say good morning to your church family. Um, I, it's always a joy for me. I, I hate listening to myself, but I enjoy going back and, and reading through just everybody talking and sharing with one another. So it's, it's great to be with you this morning. So a couple things I just want to share with you before we get into our message today. First, we are going to do communion at the end of service, as we have been doing over the last number of weeks, so just be ready for that. And, and also, as, as you've heard me just kind of share this over, over the last number of weeks, and if you can believe it, we've been doing this for 13 weeks. Today is week 13, officially like a quarter of the year we have been meeting like this. And, and I want to tell you, as I've told you guys so many times, just how proud we are and how grateful and thankful we are for how well you guys have been doing and being faithful in your giving of your tithes, of your, of your offerings as well. We've, we've had so many people giving online, um, you know, going to our website and setting up a giving account, giving through our church app, mailing a check here to the church. You guys have just been fantastic during this time, and it really has not been just a, a significant loss for us. And we just want to tell you how grateful we are for you. And I want you to know that I've been praying just for God's provision for you, that as you continue to be faithful in, in giving, that God's going to continue to be faithful in providing for you as well during this time. We also want to share with you just a, a little bit about our, our reopening for in-person gatherings. Um, it, if you guys were with us at all last week, you, you know I kind of walked through a little bit uh, of what this is going to look like for everybody. Obviously, Anywhere you go, whether it's a restaurant or a store, I mean, things look a little bit different than, uh, than, than how they did before all this, and the same is going to be true here at church as well. Um, and so if you want more information about that, you go to our Livingstones website, and you'll be able to find all of the, all of the details, all the information that you are going to need to know what to expect when you come here next Sunday. Um, and if, if you are in one of those more at-risk categories or maybe you don't feel entirely comfortable gathering in person just yet, that is totally fine. We still um, have you covered. We're going to be uh, engaging with you online as well, so you'll be able to tune in um, as well during this time. So, uh, again, you can just go to our, our Livingstone's Facebook page or, or excuse me, to our, our website, and all the details and all the information will be on there for you as well. And then I also wanted to just take a moment this morning as well just to acknowledge all of our 2020 graduates. Normally, we would have you guys up here and we would introduce you and, and, and all that. And, and so what we're, we did something special for, for our graduates for this year because obviously the, this school year did not pan out exactly like everybody was hoping it was going to. And, and my heart goes out to you seniors especially that, that this didn't look like the end of the year that you maybe you had envisioned or thought in in your mind and so what we've done and what Meredith did is she put together a video of just all of our 2020 graduates and we just want you to know how thankful we are for for you and just the the hard work that you have done during this time in fact Meredith actually went out and made um, graduation deliveries to all of our our 2020 graduates um, this last week and we just want you to know how very proud of you that we that we are as well and so 
At the end of service today, we are going to actually have that video posted on our LSC Facebook page. So make sure that you tune in, you check out that video, and, and just let our graduates know just how much we uh, appreciate them, how proud we are uh, of them, and just what all the hard work that they have done and put into this school year. So make sure that you comment and let them know as well. So what I wanted to do is just want to kind of call all of you out one by one this morning, just tell you who our, our graduates are and just kind of what where they went to school and what their plans are as well. So Abigail Donaldson, graduating from Riley High School, will be attending IU Bloomington to study psychology. Alex Almanza also graduated from Riley and will be attending Ball State to study journalism. Blythe Hammett is graduate, graduating from LaVille High School and will be attending IU Bloomington to study computer science. Jalen Wilkin, graduating from Elkhart Christian Academy, is going to be attending IUSB. Regan Romer, graduating from John Glenn High School. She will be attending IUPUI to study, uh, to study business. Rebecca Gernt, graduating from Clay High School, will be attending Ivy Tech to study auto mechanics. Sean Kirkpatrick, graduating from Riley High School, is in the United States Army Guard. Annalisa Moira is graduating from St. Joe High School. She'll be attending IU Bloomington as a pre-med student. And then we also have two college grads to recognize as well, Kaylee Pilato and Hannah Donaldson. So we just want you to know how proud of you that we all are, just all your hard work that you have done, and, and we just your, your church is behind you. So let me just pray for all of our graduates right now as well as for our service, and then we will get into our time together this morning. So, Father, we just want to thank you, God, for all of our 2020 graduates. And though I know that none of this this uh, second part of the year looked like they had kind of anticipated or hoped that it was going to look like, God, we know that you are still good, that you are doing great and mighty things in them and through them. And, God, I just pray that as they get ready to to enter in, into a new phase of life, whether it be college or into the armed forces or whatever it is that they have uh, in store for them, God, that you are going to walk with them during this time, that you're going to give them favor wherever they go. And God, that, that as they go and they start leaving their mark and they start making a difference in this world, God, that you are going to just bless them abundantly for all, that they're, uh, for all the, the time and the effort that they have put into their schooling. Lord, I'm just so thankful that as a church body, we can come behind them, we can support them and encourage them as they get ready to take this next chapter. And Lord, we also just invite you to be a part of this uh, time that we have here this morning. Lord, that, that obviously this is not how any of us planned and wanted to be doing church, but Lord, I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to share with your church this morning. God, just give me the words to share today, and God, that you would just prepare all of our hearts to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing our series that we've been calling Questions God Asks. And, and really, in, in this series, what we've been talking about are, what are some of those questions that God asks his people in, in Scripture? And, and we, we always are, are asking God questions, and, and we should ask him those things. But, but there are also times that God is asking questions of us. And, and the reason that God asks us these questions is because there's some things that he wants us to think about, to wrestle with, to, to kind of think through and work through as, as we grow as disciples of Jesus. And, and the way that we answer these questions really is, is, uh, has such a heavy weight on the way that our life looks, that how we wrestle through these different things that God talks to us about and asks us about really does uh, determine so much about where we go in, in our walk with God and, and how we live our lives. And, and so if we're going to live out the, the plans and the dreams and the purposes that God has for every single one of us, we need to actually take the time to wrestle through and deal with these questions that God asks. And so 
What we talked about in, in week one was when God asked Adam, well, who told you that you were naked? The whole idea of whose voice are you listening to other than God? Last week, we, we talked about when God asked Moses, what is that, that that is in your hand? What do you have in your hand? And we talked that, that God wants to use the ordinary, the plain, the everyday things to accomplish great things for him. And, and ultimately, that, that takes a, a certain um, amount of surrender on our part of surrendering ourselves to God so that he can use every single one of us. And if you haven't watched those two previous messages, I'd encourage you to go back and do just that. Well, this morning where we're going to begin is, is I wanted to share with you just a, a, a small portion from a book that's called When God Whispers Your Name by Max Licato. And, and in this book, Max kind of gives an example, and I have my lovely assistant here. I feel like the price is right here. Um, that's right. Um, and and in, the, in the book, what Max talks about is that every single one of us, we carry around a burlap sack with us that we constantly are putting stones in. Well, I don't have a burlap sack. I just have my, my hiking backpack here. And, and, and what he says is, this sack that we carry around, we, we find ourselves constantly putting stones within, within this, this bag of ours. And, and so, like, when we feel rejected... Actually, I can, I can reach them. Thank you, though. When, when, okay. When, when we feel, like, a rejection of some kind, we're taking that stone and we're putting it in our bag. Or, or maybe we have some regrets in our life. Maybe the, the way that we talk to our spouse or the way that we handle something with our kids and we have some regrets. Or, or maybe there's a broken relationship and that's another stone that gets put in the bag. Or, or, or maybe there's just some, some hurts that you've encountered or that you have dealt with in your life and it's another stone in the bag. And this will be our last one. And, or, 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 maybe, or maybe for you, you know, it, it was... It was just some, some extreme amount of pressure or, or stress or, or something occurred in your life. Maybe it was a loss of some kind. And it's a stone that we put in our bag. And, and we end up carrying this, this bag around with us everywhere that we go. And, and we carry all the, 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 the things from our past, all those um, discouragements and the, and the regrets and the frustrations. And, and we end up carrying all these things around in, this back, in our bag with us. And it just weighs us down. It, it, it just, it, it is, it is, it care, it, it's so heavy, it ends up weighing us down, and, and it really leads to depression, it leads to discouragement, and, and really that, that concept of carrying around all these, these burdens and these things in our life is really what our, our character who we're going to be talking about today dealt with, and that would be Elijah. Now, Elijah, he only, Elijah only appears in six chapters in the Bible, but, but he is a towering figure within the history of, of Israel. And, and, and in fact, he was such a big deal that when Jesus was walking around on the earth, there were multiple people that thought Jesus was Elijah that had been reincarnated. And, and so just to kind of give you a little bit of background about Elijah and what really makes him such a, a big deal in, in the history of, of Israel, that he first appears in 1 Kings chapter 17, where he has an encounter with King Ahab, and his wife Jezebel. And, and, and many of you have probably, if you can't quite place the name, you've at least heard of King Ahab and, and Jezebel before, that, that they were wicked rulers in Israel. That they, 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 during their reign, you know, that people turned away from God, that they had set up altars and, and, um, and monuments to, to these false gods, you know, Baal and, and his wife Asherah. And, and in fact, Ahab and Jezebel were, were such 
wicked rulers, that the Bible says that they did more to arouse the anger of the Lord than any of the kings in Israel before him. And, and if, I mean, that, that's saying something. If you know the history of, of the kings of ancient Israel, like, you know, there, there were some pretty um, awful characters in that, midst, in that midst. And yet Ahab and Jezebel did more to arouse the anger of God than any of those that came before him. And then out of nowhere, we, we encounter Elijah, that, that Elijah has his very first um, conversation, his very first encounter with Ahab and Jezebel. And it's in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite, from Tishbe and Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. And, and, and Elijah kind of comes out of nowhere, and he, he, he issues this opening salvo in this back-and-forth battle that we're going to see between Ahab and, and Elijah. And in fact, like I, I'm going to take that as, as another rock to, to put in, in Elijah's bag here, that, I mean, this is a pretty big burden that Elijah's carrying, uh, of, of this, this calling that he has of, of standing up to this wicked king and his wife, and, and that's, a, that's another big rock and stone that gets put in inside Elijah's bag. But, it, you know, the, the, the whole thing about this, you know, he, he comes out swinging against Ahab and, and Jezebel and says, all right, the way that you're behaving, the way that you're acting is so wrong that, in fact, there's going to be no rain, there's going to be a drought that takes place until I say so. And, and, and so we're actually going to forward a little bit now in, in this, this kind of back-and-forth battle between Ahab and Elijah, where, where we really kind of see Elijah at his highest moment, that, that Elijah had finally kind of had enough, that, that he had been watching what was going on with, with Ahab and with Jezebel, that, that they had been worshiping these false gods, and in fact, just some of these frustrations that, that he had seen you know, were just another another stone in the bag of seeing people who, who knew God and were worshiping false gods. And then, and then, he, saw, then he saw the leadership of, of people that were just, just totally leading the people astray. And it was, another, it was another rock in the bag. And man, this bag is starting to get heavy now. And, and not only that, that they had killed multiple other prophets of God. And this was yet another stone that was put into, into Elijah's bag. And, and he's carrying this heavy burden around with him. And, and, it, and it finally kind of comes to this boiling point where, where he decides he's going to issue Ahab a challenge, where he says, all right, I want you to, Ahab, I want you to gather up all 450 prophets of Baal and all the 400 prophets of Asherah, and I want you to meet me on Mount Carmel. We're going to have a good old-fashioned showdown here. And... and and, and so what, what Elijah, he actually says, Ahab, I also want you to gather the people. I want the people to come see what is about to take place on Mount Carmel. And, and in 1 Kings 18.21, he says that Elijah went before the people. And he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Like, I imagine how discouraging that would be that, that he's going and he's saying, hey, you know, I'm trying to point you in the direction of God. Worship him. And yet the people had absolutely nothing to say. He was saying, you need to pick a side. We can't keep going back and forth like this. And, 
And so the showdown happens where they, they build two altars up on top of Mount Carmel and they, they place a, a bull on, on each altar. And, and the, the, what was going to happen was the, the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they were, they were going to pray to their false gods. And, and Elijah, he was going to pray to the Lord. And whichever one of them came and, and burnt up the sacrifice, that was going to be the one true God. And so the, the prophets of Baal, they start calling out to Baal. They're, they're wailing and shouting and dancing and, and chanting but nothing happens. And nothing happens for hours. In fact, Elijah actually starts mocking and, and, and ridiculing them. You know, he says, well, you know what, maybe, maybe Baal's asleep and that's why he's not, he's not answering. Or maybe he's, he's deep in thought or, or, or maybe he's on vacation or maybe he's just out back relieving himself and that's why he can't come and answer your prayer at the moment. And, and this only just kind of spurs the, the prophets of Baal on even more. They start cutting themselves with swords and with spears and and this goes on all day. And I love what 1 Kings 18.29 says, but there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. That, that they were doing everything in their power to, to appeal to these false gods, and yet nothing, nothing actually ha- happened. And then, and then it was Elijah's turn, where he, he had the stone altar and he, the bull was on it. And, and In fact, they took four giant jugs of water and poured it all over the sacrifice. And, and then they did it a second time. They did it a third time. And, and if you remember, there was a drought going on at the time. Can you imagine taking these giant jugs of water and pouring it out over this sacrifice in the middle of a, in the middle of a drought? And then all Elijah does, he just prays this one simple prayer. And he says, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me, so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried out, The Lord, He is God! The Lord, he is God. I mean, man, you, you talk about like a showstopper right there. That, that Elijah, he didn't make a big production out of it. He just prayed this simple prayer. He wasn't shouting and yelling and screaming and dancing. He just said, Lord, I just want these people to know that it's you. And man, did God show up. Fire fell from heaven and consumed the entire sacrifice. And, and exactly what Elijah wanted to happen took place. That the people, they saw what God did and their hearts were turned back to God once again. I mean, you talk about this, this incredible mountaintop experience. And, and after, you know, the, the fire fell from heaven, the, the prophets of Baal were all executed. And, and man, like it, it was, it was this amazing moment for Elijah that, that, uh, the prophets of Baal had been, had been, you know, proven false and they, they were gone and the people turned back to God. Ahab was embarrassed. It was, it was amazing. Like, like Elijah, he was riding really, really high at this moment. But have you ever had like an incredible experience like that where, where you just you knew God was doing something and man, like it can be completely exhausting. And, and that's what happened to Elijah, that, that Elijah actually became so exhausted and it was just another stone in his, in his bag. And, and, and even though, you know, like it was a great moment, it was, still, it was still very tiring for him. And after this amazing experience, Ahab and Jezebel, they conspire and they decide, all right, we, we need to get rid of Elijah. In fact, they, they send him a messenger to him and said, hey, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. We're coming for you. We're going to kill you. I mean, you talk about one more stone 
to be put in your bag of, of having, having a contract put out on your life. Like, if, if that's not another stone in your bag, I don't know what is. And finally, oh man, this is getting really heavy. Finally, that was kind of Elijah's breaking point. That he had been, he, Elijah had been carrying around all these stones for so long. He, he had been, he'd been carrying all these burdens and all these things that, that God had asked him to do. And he finally reached a point where he just cracked. The, the load that he was trying to carry was just too much for him. He just couldn't take it anymore. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 3 and 4, it says, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Like, it, it, isn't that an amazing turn of events? That Elijah goes from probably the highest moment he's ever had in his life, where God just showed up and did something amazing, and just a few days later, he's running for his life, and he's scared, and he's saying, God, just, just take my life. I, 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 I can't do this anymore. And one of, the, one of the first things I want to encourage you with and share with you this morning is this, that God pursues us. God pursues us. That, that, and, and that's the great news about Elijah's story, and it's the great news about your story, and it's the great news about my story as well, that, that even when we're fleeing, even when we're running from God, that he still pursues us, that he's still following after us, even in those moments. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever had one of those times where, where you've been far from God, or maybe you've been running from Him, and He's come pursuing, He's come following after you, I, I'm so grateful we serve a God that doesn't leave us to our own devices, but He comes seeking us. He comes following after every single one of us. And, and this is where we encounter God's question to Elijah. That Elijah had run for his life, he was hiding in a cave on Mount Horeb. And First Kings chapter 19, verse 9, we come to God's question to Elijah. There he went, meaning Elijah, he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Like, what are you doing here? And I'll, and I'll be honest with you, when I first read that years ago, I read it as kind of like an angry rebuke. Like, Elijah, what are you doing here? Like, I have stuff for you to do. But as I was preparing, as I was praying about this message, I don't think that was God's intent at all. I don't think that was God's tone. I don't think that's what God was communicating whatsoever. In fact, I'm really encouraged by this interaction. That God doesn't come giving Elijah a spiritual spanking. He's a, he doesn't come to ridicule him for, for not having enough faith, for running and hiding. He, he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't, he doesn't chastise him. But in fact, he just calls out to him. Like, can you hear the tender heart of a loving father? What are you doing here, Elijah? Like, what are, what are you doing here in, in this place, that, that Elijah was at his darkest, he was at his lowest moment, and where just a few verses before, he was wanting to die. And God comes and he pursues him, and he's saying, Elijah, this, this wasn't my plan for you. This, this, isn't, this isn't where I wanted you to be. What are you doing here? Like, what are you doing here in this, in this place of, of isolation, in this place of depression? What are you doing here? And so let me just kind of ask every one of us a question this morning, because I've been asking myself this constantly throughout this week, is when the pressure mounts, when, when, when your bag of stones gets too heavy, where do you run? 
Where do you run when the pressure mounts? Like for Elijah, it was a physical escape. He literally ran. But, but for all of us, when, when the pressure of life, when the stones and the, and the bag that we're carrying gets too heavy, we run to something. Every one of us do. Some of us, we run to food. Some people run to alcohol or other substances. Some, some people will, will run to their, their phone or their iPad or, or TV and they'll, they'll just kind of escape that way. For, for some, it could be a, a toxic relationship. For others, it can be the opposite of that. And, and it could be complete isolation. That's kind of what Elijah was doing. But when, 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 that bag, when that bag got too heavy, we end up running somewhere. We end up going to, to something. And, 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 I, and I, I just want to kind of, I've been reflecting on this myself. What do I go to? Where do I go for control when life feels out of control? And, and that, I believe, is the heart behind the question that God was asking Elijah. Where he's saying, what are you, what are you doing here? Why, why are you running here instead of running to me? Why are you in this place that you keep heading back to? Why do you keep coming here when all I want is you to run to me? And in week one when we were talking about the question, who told you that you were naked, what God was really asking him is, whose voice are you listening to other than me? And today the question God is asking Elijah is, where are you running to other than to me? What, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I'll tell you, like Elijah's response really reveals so much to us uh, about where he was mentally at, at the moment. And in, he, he responds to God in, in chapter 19, verse 10. He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Like, have you ever had a moment like that where, where you've just kind of reached your, your point where you're not even thinking clearly? Because that, that's kind of what, what's happening to, to Elijah in this moment. He's, he's kind of throwing what I've seen in myself like an adult-sized temper tantrum in a way. Because some of the things he was saying are true, but many of them actually were not true. But when you're, when you're depressed, when you're discouraged, when you reach that breaking point where you can't carry your, your bag of stones anymore, when you reach that point, oftentimes we can't see things clearly. We can't see the things how they actually are. And, and he said, you know, the Israelites had rejected God. And, and while that was true to a, to a degree, he was just there on Mount Carmel when, when they you know, called out, the Lord, he is God. They had turned back to him. And he just wasn't seeing that. He wasn't remembering that in the moment. And he said he was the only prophet left. Well, well, that wasn't true. In fact, Scripture says there, there were over a hundred prophets of God that were, that were still around. And, and after, after Elijah kind of throws his, his little temper tantrum for a moment, he's just kind of just letting it all out in a way. Again, God doesn't scold him. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't come down on him or anything like that. He doesn't get angry. He just says, son, come, come with me. Let, let's take a little walk, you, you and I. I, I we're going we're gonna to talk. And I, and I want to I share with you what God's response to Elijah was after he just kind of was spouting all this out in, in 1 Kings 19, verses 11 to 13. It says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And then in the wind, excuse me, after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire 
came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then the voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? God says it again. He, he, he repeats himself a, a, a second time. And, and if, you, if you've studied Scripture at all, when, when God repeats something more than once, it's something we absolutely need to be paying attention to. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And, and God, God is reminding Elijah of something in, in that moment, that, that on Mount Carmel, he, God showed up in this amazing, dramatic way, that fire literally came from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. But he's saying, Elijah, I don't just show up in those big, dramatic ways. I, I wasn't in the wind or the fire or in the earthquake. But he revealed himself as a gentle whisper. And one, one version says, in a still, small voice. And, and in a lot of ways in this moment, this was God kind of taking this bag off of Elijah's shoulders and saying, Elijah, come to me. I, I'm, I'm going to take this bag for you. I, I'm going to take these burdens that you're carrying. I'm just going to encourage you just with my presence. And, and I want you to hear that. The, the second kind of major point I want you to hear today is that God is revealed as intimate presence. He's revealed as intimate presence. Not just, not just big events like earth, you know, the earthquake, the fire, the wind, or anything like that. He doesn't just show up in, in surprising, unimaginable ways. Oftentimes, God will show up in the everyday, mundane things, kind of, kind of like we talked about last week, that God doesn't just use the ordinary. God also shows up in the ordinary as well. And, and what's so amazing about this, and I pray that, that you'll be encouraged by this as well, that, that when Elijah was drained of all of his strength, when he was depressed, when he wasn't thinking clearly, when he was exhausted, when he had reached the end and done all he could to carry his bag with him. When he reached that end, it was not the supernatural displays of power that God ministered to him in. It wasn't that at all. That God ministered to him in his time of crisis through just a whispered word. Saying, Elijah, I'm here. I'm here with you. And, and, and Elijah learned that God makes himself known, not just in dramatic shouts, but in gentle whispers as well. And what, what, I, what I love about how God took care of and ministered to Elijah in this moment, is some of, some of the things that God did was he just ministered to his basic necessities. Where Elijah was hungry, he was exhausted, he had just had enough, and in verse 5 it says that God gave him sleep. In verse 6 it says that God fed him, and, and sometimes when we are discouraged, when we're frustrated, when we're depressed, when we're worn out, the way that God ministers to us is just through the simple things, through a meal, through some rest through just an intimate time in, in his presence. Because God knows where you are, and he knows what you need. And, and after all this is done, after God had ministered to Elijah, after God had spoken to him and encouraged him in this moment, he reminds Elijah that I'm not done with you yet. In 1 Kings 19.15, the Lord said to him, Now go back the way that you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. That, that he goes and he goes on to tell Elijah that he's going to anoint a new king in Judah, a new king in Israel. He's going to anoint a, a new prophet that was going to take his place one day. And when, when Elijah became fearful, when he became discouraged, it, it was easy to kind of run away like Elijah did. But God sent him back after he had ministered to him, after he had fed him, after he had given him some rest, after he, he ministered to his soul. He said, all right, I'm not done yet. I still have more for you to do. I'm sending you back. I, in fact, I want you to go back the way that you came because your role isn't over yet. My purpose for you hasn't yet 
excuse me, hasn't yet been fulfilled. And, and think of this. God did not change Elijah's circumstances. There, there was nothing different between when he had left running and hiding in a cave to when God said, all right, I want you to go back. Ahab and Jezebel were still after him. He still had a price on his head. Like None of those circumstances changed at all. But he had had an encounter with God. He had been in God's presence. That God had ministered to him in that moment. And, and, and I'll tell you this. When you're discouraged, when you're at your end, and you have nothing else to give, and you feel like you can't go anymore, put yourself in the presence of God. Let God minister to you. Let, let Him whisper to your, to your heart, and let that still, small voice encourage you. Let Him give you rest to feed you in, in those moments. And, and just because God doesn't necessarily show up in the dramatic, amazing way that maybe you thought He was going to, doesn't mean that He's not there. But we need to make sure that we quiet ourselves, that we listen, that we look for God's presence so that we can get ourselves back in the game. God, God didn't rebuke Elijah and come down on him when he ran off. But he also didn't want him to stay there either. He said, all right, I, I get it. I hear what you're saying. I'm here with you. I'm going to minister to you. But I don't want you to stay here. Let's, let's dust ourselves off and let's get back to it. And, and that's what I want us to walk away with this morning, that no matter how discouraged you might be, no matter how down you might be, no matter what went on in your past, no matter, no matter what stones you might be carrying around in, in your bag, God wants to minister to you. He wants to encourage you with his presence and meet you where you are. And, and, and let me share this with you. Paul wrote this in Romans eleven twenty nine. He says, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. When God calls someone to do something, and he's called all of us, you, me, every single one of us, he's called to do something. He doesn't change his mind. Like, we've all been called to make a difference in the world, and God doesn't change his mind about that. God doesn't say, oh, you know what? On second thought, you're not really what I thought you were going to be. I've changed my mind on that. No, we're out. That, that even in our moments of weakness, of discouragement, of depression, of despair, of feeling overwhelmed, God will, will feed us. He'll give us rest. And he'll say, all right, I want you to get back in there. I want you to get back in the game once again. So, so I don't know about you, how you kind of felt this morning when you woke up, when you tuned in with us today, that maybe, maybe you're feeling a little bit like Elijah, where you're just kind of overwhelmed by this, this looming problem that you couldn't seem to shake. Or, or maybe you're just exhausted from carrying around your, your bag of stones, from all the, the baggage and, and the mess and the, and the disappointments and the regrets from the past. God wants you to take that, that bag off and hand it to him. He wants to carry that bag for you and give you rest. And, and, and he wants to give you comfort. Like I, I, want, I, know, I know this about God. If he can comfort Elijah and he can feed him with ravens and he can give him rest, surely he will do the same for you. That if you're just worried and burdens, burdened down, that he wants to come and he wants to minister to you in those moments. Or, or maybe... Maybe you've been running to things other than God. Maybe that question I asked before, what is that thing that you come running to? When life becomes overwhelming, when your bag starts to become too heavy, what is that thing that you go running to? What is that area that you constantly go back to to kind of mask the pain, to kind of check out, to dull the burdens and the things that you've been carrying? And God is saying to you this morning, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? He's not coming at you in a scolding, angry parent type of way. 
He's saying, I have so much better for you than where you are. That thing you keep running to, I want you to run to me instead. I want you, I want you to come running to me, not drowning yourself in, in, in substances or relationships or technology. Come running to me, and I'll take your burdens. I will give you rest. And after that, let's get back in the game. Let's not stay in these, in these places. and Let's not stay in these moments where you're down. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to encourage all of us, let's get, let's get back in the game. Let's get ourselves to a place where we're, where we're running to God, not running from Him. So if you would, just close your eyes wherever you are right now. And let me just pray for you this morning. That Father, I just want to thank you, God, for your amazing love. God, thank you for the way that you pursued Elijah. And, and Lord, that, that not only did you pursue Elijah, you pursue us in that same way. God, that you come running after us. When, when we go running to things other than you, Lord, you, you don't just dust your hands off and, and, and get angry. But God, you come pursuing us even in those moments. And I thank you, God, for doing that. Thank you, God, for the way that, that not only do you pursue us, God, but you reveal yourself to us as an intimate presence. Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful that you are the God of the big and the extraordinary and, and the incredible. But God, you're also the God of the simple and the ordinary and the mundane. God, that you minister to us where we are, and we just want to thank you for that. Lord, I, I pray that you would forgive us for those times that we've run to things other than you. That when you're asking us, Why, what are you doing here? God, that, 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 we would, that we would examine ourselves. Why is it we're going to those things other than running to you? And Father, that, that we would, that, that as, as a body, as, as individuals, Lord, we wouldn't keep running to those things that provide what we think is some sense of relief. Ultimately, there's no relief whatsoever. But God, we would come running to you instead. So Lord, I just want to thank you, God, for what you're doing in us, what you're doing in our church, what you've called us to. And God, we just stand here today and we say, God, we're going to come running to you. We're not going to run and hide. We're going to come running to you instead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to, we're going to take communion this morning. And, and I wanted to share with you something that's really been on my heart a lot this week. That on, on Thursday, me and several other pastors and faith leaders from churches in, on the south side here, we, we went on a prayer walk together. That we, we just walked our community. We walked our neighborhood around here. And we stopped at several churches along the way. And, and we were just praying. We, 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 were, we were repenting for, for our, our, our church. We've been repenting for our, the ways that we have just kind of maybe ignored the, the plights and the cries and the, um, the, the issues that have gone on as it relates to, to race. And, and really, we, we weren't just praying for God to, to open up other people's eyes. We were praying that God would open our eyes. Saying, God, start, start with me. Start, start with me in this moment. And, and, and Paul wrote in Romans 12, 15, I was thinking about this this week, he, he said to, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who are mourning. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And, and, and I'll tell you right now, the, the black community is hurting right now. They're hurting right now. They're mourning. They're weeping. And, and I'll tell you, like, it is... The, the church should be mourning along with them, with, with, our, with our black brothers and sisters. That, that right now it should be our turn to, to listen, to learn, to engage in conversation. And, and, I'm, and I'm not meaning like Facebook comment wars, because God knows that doesn't help anybody nor solve anything, but actually engaging in real conversations during this. And, 
And, and as I was praying last night, God was reminding me of the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. That, that really, how often have we, including the church, just passed by those who, who were hurting, who were wounded, who were broken? Like, have we done what the Levite did in that parable and just walked on by? Have we done what the, what the priest did and we crossed over to the other side and we walked on by? And I want this to be a moment not just for us as individuals or us as a church, but I want this to be a time for us as a nation where we don't just walk on by, where we're not just stirred in a moment where, where we get excited, we, we, we want change, and, 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 and we want to start having these conversations. But this wouldn't be just a, a time where we get stirred about something. But this would really be a moment that we can look back and say, no, things changed from this point on. That we didn't just walk by, we didn't just say a prayer, but Lord, that we actually got in the, uh, got in the mess, that we engaged with our, with our brothers and sisters who are hurting, who are weeping at this time. And, and I'm, so, I'm so encouraged by the fact that Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we serve the God of reconciliation, that not only does God reconcile us to him, but he also recon, reconciles us to one another. And, and that's, that's my prayer during this time, that that again, it wouldn't just be one of those times where we just get stirred up and we want change, but this would be a time where we actually do change, that we do be reconciled with our brothers and sisters. And so, so as we take communion this morning, let's, let's remember and let's reflect that not only have we been re- re- reconciled with God, but God's also called us to be reconciled with one another. So as we take the bread this morning, let's just think and remember on that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that your body was broken so that we could be reconciled with you, but God also so that we could be reconciled with one another. We thank you for that. And now let's take the cup together as well. Lord, thank you, God, that your blood was spilled, not just for some, but it was spilled for all of us. God, thank you that, that, you, that your blood was shed so that we could be put back in right relationship with you and with one another. And I pray, God, that this would be a time, this would be a moment in our church, this would be a moment in our community, in our nation, where things don't go back to normal what they were before. But God, that things would truly be changed because of what you did. Lord, let the power of your blood, let the power of your resurrection infect everything that we do in our conversations, our interactions with others. We're so thankful for what you've done for us and what you've done for our brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together one more time.